Welcome back to Producer Says What. After a long hiatus, I'm finally trying this again. Basically what happened was I tried my first interview and it was a nightmare because I've never done an interview and I was really, really bad at it. Uh, what I'm not really bad at is editing, so I'm still trying to edit that into something that makes some sense. Uh, it was with Jim Hines, who's amazing, and so I wanted to really make it something even that comes close to being worthy of his not only talent, but what an awesome individual he is. And so uh, that's still in the works, and we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it out eventually. But um, I, want, I, I discovered I want to work on my interviewing skills a little more. So anyway, uh, today I'm coming back to you in the middle of a pandemic quarantine, which was absolutely not the case uh, when I did the last episode. So it's a whole new world. A whole new brave, brave new world. And the studio has, we were raging in the first two weeks of March, just doing great, you know, booked wall to wall. And then we hit the wall and everything stopped. Or not everything, but a lot of things stopped. Uh, we were lucky compared to a lot of other businesses in that there were about three or four projects that were at the mix stage. And, you know, I, honestly, uh, you, you know, I, I, the way I do mixing, I like to get, I like artists to be able to take a mix home and listen to it in a few different environments and spend some time with it and then give me feedback. I like working in drafts anyway when I'm mixing. So it really isn't that big a change. I mean, I, honestly, at least 50% of the mixing I do, I do alone anyway. But uh, so that was good. Uh, unfortunately, other things uh, cropped up. Uh, <laughs> homeschooling, for one. I have two kids, 13 and 14, and um, the 13-year-old is full on the autism spectrum, and his name is Raleigh. He's a genius. Uh, he's an amazing musician taught himself everything, I'm sad to say. <laughs> uh, he, but his instrument is keyboard and piano, and that's not my instrument. And so he had to teach himself, and he did, and he's amazing at it. And we've actually done a few songs in the studio since he's the only client allowed in here. And uh, that were a lot of fun, and we put, we put videos up on social media for that. But so that's those are the only in-person sessions that have been happening since the quarantine. But mixing has been going on and that's been fun. And there have been some updates uh, in the studio. Uh, right when the quarantine started, we took delivery of two API equalizers, uh, 550A, which are the original design of uh, a three-band parametric equalizer that, I mean, I know there's a lot of you out there who probably know the exact year, but it was in the late 60s, wasn't it, that this was first developed? And so these are the modern reissue. There, um, And I've been wanting to own a pair of these for forever, for a long time, and so I finally got them. And that's nice. Uh, it... it you know, I had a pair of 560, uh, which are the graphic EQ uh, APIs, for a while now. And those are awesome. I find those to be mid-range specialists insofar as, but more instrumental. You know, they're great on snare drum and, 
guitar. Uh, the the parametric the parametrics are really better I find on vocals and and sure enough as soon as we took delivery of them as soon as I got them in I did a shootout of against some plugins uh, I have the waves emulation of that exact EQ the 550A and for my money honestly I am not a fan in general of waves work <laughs> but they have a few products that are that excel and that are really are the best and that's one of them and it's weird but that's you know and 95 percent of the time i would go with you know you know universal audio or a lot of or other companies you know over over waves but for the api stuff I, you know, very rare miss on, on from UAD on that. As far as I'm concerned, I don't I don't like their version of that EQ, um, and the Waves one really, you know, I was going on my memory of the hardware because I I'd used that hardware, uh, you know, before and um, actually <laughs> the the demo that I made that that I used to get into SUNY Purchase into music school uh, I did at uh, a really um, storied studio in that was in Hoboken, New Jersey, called Water Music, and um, fans will will note uh, the Yola Tango and and other uh, Freddie Johnston, like a lot of artists, kind of started there. Um, they had an old API console, and so that was one of the first. Uh, full productions I did for myself on, you know, on a real console. In fact, it was the first full production I did for myself on a real console. And, and it was using exactly that EQ. Um, although that was in, uh, what was that, 1990, 1991. And it was not new at the time either. So. <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I had this memory of what the EQ sounded like. And that's what I was always sort of basing my comparison. It was never a direct A-B comparison uh, with the, wa the Waves emulation. And I always felt that the Waves uh, software captured it really well. So now I had the real thing, and I got to uh, really A-B them. And, uh, you know, Nuendo, like Pro Tools and some other DAWs, uh, lets you... Um, do hardware inserts. So basically, uh, you, know, you, uh, you can label it, you know, the name of the hardware, and it just it functions like any other plugin. And um, so I was able to put both of them on, on a track, on a vocal, and literally just switch back and forth. And it was really interesting. It was uh, to see the difference. Uh, you know, what I found was um, they captured the mid-range pretty accurately. Uh, the top end, eh, you know, pretty close. Um, the part they really missed on the, on the plug-in was the low end. And, and then, uh, then, then the other thing I would say is that the plug-in felt too like linear, too perfect, too smooth. Um, you know, the real, the real thing just felt, you know, just feels warm and like and it has depth and it feels alive and uh you know it just feels like energy uh and i know i'm the way i'm characterizing it it's like that's way better than what the plugin was but you know i mean it depends on the music i guess or what your needs are the the smoothness of the plugin 
you know, is impressive in its own right. Uh, the closest example I can, uh, analogy I can make is between a CD and good vinyl, like good quality vinyl on a good turntable and everything. Yeah. Um, so m minus the crackling and whatever else might be going on. But, um, but yeah, CDs and vinyl at their best is the best comparison I can make. And, you know, it's, but there's no denying, you know, the depth and warmth and, and, and you know, perceived realism of the analog. And you can see very well why they still sell very, very, very well, even though there's plugins that are a lot cheaper. Um, so I'm thrilled to have that. And so a few things happened once I got those EQs. Um, I had, I was out of slots in our 500 series rack, so I had to buy another rack. And um, I'm not, I, I won't go into detail. I'm assuming everybody listening knows what a 500 series rack is, but, um, and what the 500 series modules are. But um, basically, uh, okay, well, screw it. <laughs> For those who don't, um, API, the company API, uh, the one who makes the equalizers actually, innovated this thing called a lunchbox, which is just, it's a rack that houses, um, you know, it has slots, and so it houses these modular versions of the gear that would normally be a whole rack all by itself. Um, so they're smaller and they're very easy to pop in and out. And the original idea was that producers could take them to studios with them, that they were very easy. They put a handle on the end and everything to make it a lunchbox. But pretty quickly people became, you know, like they were very popular and people wanted them, you know, rack mountable in the studio. And, and so they went that way. Um, so I had one of these racks and, and I filled it up with gear. And so I needed to buy another one. Um, which is a drag because it's like, oh, I have to buy gear to buy gear. You know, that's uh, that's one thing I never liked about the 500 series system. But eh, you get over it with the with the convenience and um, so so I, I had to buy another rack. So I went shopping and you know, digitally <laughs> online. And the same company that made my first rack, which is Fredenstein, which is uh, Fred something with an S. Uh, he's German. Um, it's a German guy who was very high up in the world of designing audio gear in Germany, I guess. Um, and he, his, the story I was told is his wife got a job in Taiwan or something. He had to move to Taiwan. And so he moved to Taiwan with her and started and decided to start his own company. He had been working for other companies. So he started his own company in Taiwan and sourced, you know, parts and labor and, was able to make things, you know, a lot cheaper, and but still very high quality, and he really knows his stuff in terms of design. So uh, he started uh, Fredenstein, you know, um, and as the company, and put out not only uh, the racks to hold equipment, but also equipment to go in those racks. Um, although I have to say, the equipment that goes in the racks that he makes, uh, I don't think is anywhere near as popular as the racks themselves. But I could be wrong about that, but I think that's the case. Um, but anyway, I had one of his racks uh, I've had for, you know, what, four years or something. And, uh, you yeah, know, it was always fine. I liked it. Uh, so I went, he, you know, he, so uh, he, I, one of the first places I went to look was his stuff. And sure enough, uh, he, was, he was just putting out a brand new product and... Uh, the, his old racks, the model was called Bento, and 
like a bento box for Japanese food. I'm, I don't know why. Um, I guess it's like a bento box. You're putting in different things. Um, yeah, I guess that makes sense. But uh, anyway, so this product was this new product he called the Bento Pro. So you figure, oh, it's a pro. It's got to be better. So I took a look at what that was. And uh, he did something interesting, which is he took a 10-space rack uh, where it normally would be 10 open slots to put your own gear in. And he took up two of those slots with a de with dedicated um, VU meters. You know, in other words, the the old style uh, volume meters with the with the needles, and and at the same time he put in a headphone jack, and and then he put in these two knobs where you could there were there were eight spaces open for your own equipment, and he put in these knobs so you could make any one of either of the the meters tell you the outgoing volume of any of the slots, the output volume. And, and the headphones would follow whatever you dialed up. And, um, and I thought, you know, that's a little hokey, but, it, you know, it's, that could be fun. It could be, I mean, it could be useful. Like, I have some gear that doesn't have any meters, like the, the, um, the Neve 1073 uh, uh, mic preamp. Uh, it's actually I have the BAE version, but there's no meters on it, no input or output meters, and and you know you can see the imp the incoming level on on the A to D converter, but that's on the other rack over there, and da 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 da. And like yeah, it would just be nice to have a level meter right there where you're tweaking it. Um, and then so anyway, I bought it, and also in addition to the meters, uh, there was also some talk about how it was a new design on on the power supply that um, that provided more headroom and um, and there was better shielding and you know so uh, we get better performance out of out of equipment uh, particularly uh, that I think that the thing was that um, equipment that had transformers uh, was sometimes compromised by um, the the power transformer I could be wrong about what the power uh, but a transformer in the rack itself um, you know would interfere with the transformers in the gear uh, somehow and uh, <laughs> you can tell I really know my stuff and um, so they had put extra shielding on this so that that wouldn't wouldn't happen uh, even in the slots right next to the right next to the power supply of the of the rack itself. Um, so, uh, you know, so I got this new rack, and, uh, and what I wound up doing was, um, you know, sort of splitting up the gear so that I had all the mic pre's in one rack and then all the EQ's and compressors in the other rack. And lo and behold, after working with it for like a minute, <laughs> very quickly, I discovered the VU meters were not some cheap, small add-on they were actually really really cool and i really enjoyed having them and all of a sudden i really missed having them in the other rack <laughs> and you know like even gear like i have these purple action compressors that are you know they're great uh, the, the company purple audio is actually uh in jim thorpe pennsylvania they're about an hour north of where i am um they him right, is he <laughs> and um and so these purple action compressors are essentially 1176 in design. Um, 
So, uh, you know, they have a meter on them, but it's like the output, I mean, the gain reduction meter is pretty good, but the output meter is just one LED that, that you know, goes from, you know, green to red. So I found it was really uh, helpful and useful to have better, more metering, even for those. Um, so I pretty much said, yeah, screw it, and, you know, pulled my old Bento out and ordered a second one of the Pros. And, and the funny thing is that once I installed that and I started really using the gear, I started notice, like I noticed that all the gears sounded better. Um, and, you know, I talked to, um, you know, like my guy at Sweetwater, uh, I've been with for 20 years, uh, and, uh, Brendan Murphy is a great guy. And, and, you know, he was telling me about how, you know, power is such an issue with these 500 series units. And I mean, I knew that, but, but in, in terms of like, I, I knew that in terms of how some d were underpowered to even function at all with certain gear, um, like the Shadow Hills uh, mono mic preamp, I think is known to draw a lot of power. And I think it's, I could be wrong, but I think it's known to have trouble with the API lunch boxes um, being a little underpowered for them. Uh, so, but what I didn't know was how much of a variation there was from rack to rack in terms of, you know, how much headroom they were actually able to deliver to the gear. And therefore that translates into depth of field with the sound, warmth, realism, clarity. And I, you know, I really noticed the difference just going from the Bento to the Bento Pro and, uh, I'm thrilled. <laughs> I'm really happy because now I have, you know, both of these. And I might add they're really affordable too. Yeah, they're, um, you know, uh, Sweetwater puts them for uh, 425 for an eight space. And that's um, really cheap. And, you know, um, so, so anyway, so that happened and I'm really thrilled and the stuff is really sounding a whole lot better. So... Uh, other things that have been happening, um, uh, we have a new desk coming next week, and I'm thrilled about that. Um, the desk that I have, you've seen in pictures, and it's all over the website, is this beautiful, um, it was handmade by uh, a, a sculptor, uh, my friend Derek, who uh, has a, who's an MFA from Columbia. He's a sculptor, actually, and he did an amazing job. And basically what we did was sort of downloads. We just grabbed specs off of Argosy's website because they put them up there. And he did his best to make something as close to that as possible out of, like, solid birch. Um, and he, he did an amazing job. And then, you know, and I, I really went nuts, um, you know, staining and finishing and putting multiple coats and hand sanding it and... You know, I put this really beautiful finish on it, which I might add has held up beautifully uh, over the you know, over the years. Uh, but the thing is, just from a design perspective, I didn't really have it. Uh, I I didn't really have my priorities right, and I think part. I you know, I think part of it was I was still using um, a Mackie controller, a fader box. You know, and like I I, I had this idea that I needed room for something like that. And, you know, we got rid of that a while ago. It was actually Zane's people that were like, yeah, get this out of the way. <laughs> and when I did get it out of the way, I realized I didn't want it there either. Uh, and so that was the end of that. 
but what's left is um, is too much desk is the bottom line, and and it's been affecting uh, the acoustics actually in the room, and um, you know, and, and the other thing too is that uh, the, the main way it's affected the acoustics is that the um, you know, even with the speakers as far forward as they will come, which is like right on top of the the rack base, I, I still have to have the computer monitor in front of the speakers. Other, I can't see it otherwise. You know, um, and I, I've tried using like large LCD displays, and that didn't really work for me either. There was like small stuff I couldn't see, and, and you know, it just didn't work. Um, yeah, I know other people make that work. I don't know it just doesn't work for me. But so I mean, after I, I after I bought the PMC speakers, um, I, I had posted a picture on Instagram or something, and um, and you know, like, <laughs> whoever's running the PMC Instagram account, um, I don't know that that's not Spider, right? It's somebody else. Um, yeah, you know, uh, inst- you know, DM'd me and was like, hey, man, you know, your computer monitor is in front of the speakers. That's going to cause blurring in the sound. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been noticing that. Um, so I finally have decided to bite the bullet. And I, it's part of it is I love this. I love the desk as a piece of furniture. It's gorgeous. And it's it feels like an old style mixing board because it is the same size as an old st- <laughs> yeah it's about the same size as an 80 series neve i think well it's a lot less but it's it's too big and and um so fi- so i i got um a new desk coming next week i got it at sweetwater and um it's this company's uh zaor zaor z a o r apparently they're latvian and they can build stuff much cheaper in Latvia, apparently, than uh, than Sterling can in Pennsylvania or Argosy can in California, or wherever they are. And so, while all three companies make um, the style that I wanted, which was a three bay mastering style desk, uh, the price differences were intense. You know, the the um, you know the Sterling was a thousand more than the Zaur, and um, and weirdly, the Argosy was even more than that, which I don't know at what point that flipped. It used to be the Argosy was less than Sterling, um, but Argosy got real expensive all of a sudden for certain models, um, which is fine. You know, more power to them as a company uh, if they can do that. But but this company, uh, you know, and again, Sweetwater stands behind them, and, and I, I, I really do trust my guy there, um, and he says it's great. So that's coming next week. And that's going to be interesting. It's uh, it's three three rack bays that are six units each, and you know part of it. The whole idea is less desk, you know. And if uh, getting wrapping my head around only having six you know six units per bay, where right now I have like eleven or twelve or something. I must have twelve. Um, but you, you know. Part of the problem is I can't reach all my gear right now, and you know it's too much desk, too much bay, and so it actually the six units really works perfectly for me because I can put um, two three space five hundred series racks on the left bay, and that almost feels like a little sidecar console. You know, it's like mic pre's and and EQs and, and compressors, on you know like in series like 
you know, in series. Um, and, uh, and then the right side will be the Fern gear. So that's the VT2 and the VT7, both three space. Um, and then the, the center, this actually works out beautifully, uh, can be the Lynx converter where I can, I mean, I can see the meters where they are now, but they're hard, a little hard to see and I can't see detail. Like they're just too far away. So it'll be great having them right in front of my face and they'll be much more useful. Um, and then the, uh, you know, the dangerous music ST, monitor ST, which, um, yeah, the remote will obviously be right in front of me, but, but having the actual rack unit where the talkback mic is right in front of me will be nice for everybody because there won't be any like, screaming at the talkback anymore. Um, so, uh, so that'll be really cool. And then uh, the distressors too. I mean, the, uh, there's six, six uh, rack units in the middle. So I figured it'll be the two distressors and the Great River is three. And then the, uh, the Lynx and the uh, Dangerous Music is, uh, is uh, dangerous. Is it Dangerous Music? Yeah. Is um, two more. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sure there'll be another one coming along at some point. Uh, I also have a, yeah, a Furman Power thing, which I could throw in there too. But, um, so that'll be fun. Like, it'll, it, it, you know, it, it'll have a much lighter acoustic footprint the 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 monitor the screen for the computer will go be behind the speakers finally and i'll be able to reach and see all the gear and i i'm really looking forward to that so that, that's a big step up um i will miss you know the old the old furniture but um hopefully we'll find it a good home um you know i sp didn't spend a lot um you know or rather derek didn't charge me a lot to make it so, you know, I will definitely pass on the savings to the next um, up-and-comer who wants it. Um, anyway, so, uh, so all of that is going on. And in the meantime, we've, we've been fielding, uh, you know, so the mi mixing has been going on. Uh, I, I got sick. I'm pretty sure it was uh, the COVID, but who knows? I couldn't get tested. It was mild, but it was weird. So that's why I really do think it was the COVID. But um, it was enough that it, like the fatigue kept me from working for about two weeks, so things got kind of put on hold. Um, but I'm back now and, and starting to get some more stuff done. And uh, and honestly, um, the texts and the phone calls never stopped, and people uh, have been trying to get in. And you know that's awesome. It's so you know I'm so grateful to everybody that wants to come here. Um, and you know, I think what's happening to the economy right now is is devastating, and we haven't even, you know, the tsunami hasn't crashed yet, and, you know, and it's going to get a lot worse. So, you know, I think part of the reason I'm getting the desk and, and, I'm, and I'm really, you know, I'm, I'm sort of battening down the hatches and getting ready to not buy anything for a long time and, and, ho and hopefully ride this thing out. Um, this studio opened uh, in the middle of the last recession, but you know, from what I, everything I'm reading, that one was a joke compared to what's coming. And so, and this was a hard business to begin with. Um, you know, I'm lucky insofar as I have quite a number of artists who uh, who are already retired and on fixed incomes and annuities, and and as long as the stock stock market doesn't steal their money. Um, you know, that'll probably continue. Uh, but, 
you know, uh, we've been through lean times before. This studio was kind of designed for that. Um, you know, I, uh, I overextended debt on my first studio and I learned the lessons, so that never happened here. And um, so, you know, everything we have, everything you know, is, is owned and paid for and, and the expenses are, you know, the overhead's pretty low in the studio. So, you know, we're, 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 we're scrappy. We're made to get through things like this. Um, I hope, I hope we'll see how bad it is. But uh, anyway, um, that's kind of why I want to, you know, again, come out of this thing, guns blazing, you know, and just, you know, and really be the best uh, place anybody can think of to go to do their recording. Um, the other thing that's interesting is, um, and it really just hit me today, because uh, I was uh, talking, I've been talking to artists about things they wanted to do. And, you know, um, obviously the, the live music industry is just, I mean, that was the first one to go. They were, they, they were the ones that fell on the wire. You know, um, and there's not, you know, I don't think there's going to be a live music industry for a long time. Um, I mean, that's going to be, you know, the last thing to really come back, I think. And um, so what obviously what everybody's doing, what all musicians are doing is uh, live streaming. And I've been fielding a lot of uh, questions about live streaming. And my answer to most of them is I don't do that. You know, that's not my area of expertise. But that's not entirely true. Uh, I do do that, but not in the way they're trying to do it right now, which is like, I don't know anything about multiple people playing together. I don't know what those apps are. Um, but we have been doing live streaming at the studio for actually a few years. And, um, and we had already made a pretty sizable investment in video. And, um, you know, it was a couple of years ago now that we got the um, Sling Studio. <laughs> I forgot the name. It's been a it's been a while since we've used it actually. But um, the Sling Studio is um, it's so it's it's a Wi-Fi video hub, and basically it creates its own its own Wi-Fi network where uh, you know so, uh, iPhones and Androids can um, can download an app and can stream 1080p video uh, to this thing wirelessly. Also, um, the company makes their own, uh, you know, Wi-Fi transmitters that you can then, that you can plug in via HDMI to cam to better cameras, to DSLR cameras, and so that's I mean, you know, that's where we are. Like I, I've gone, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, I've acc I've accumulated four uh, Panasonic Lumix G7 cameras, which are. Uh, three-quarter mirrorless um, as opposed to DSLR. It's the same thing, you know, they just have their own um, style, but it's still, it's, it's interchangeable lenses and very high quality. Um, so so those, ca those good cameras, those four cameras can all send 1080p, uh, 30 frames per second. They might be able to do 60, I'm not sure, but uh, to this hub and then, and then it's controlled on an iPad app, and you can see all four cameras, and and you can do real time editing, you can overlay text, you can you know you can do all kinds of things, um, and and it can and it can live stream too. It can it can log into you know your Facebook or YouTube accounts and and, and live stream to it. 
So, so that's pretty cool. And you know that we already have the live room set up as a stage with stage lighting. And um, so this is, you know, just like it hit me like a ton of bricks today. That like, wait a minute, this is what every single musician in the world needs to be doing for the next two years, and we are already set up for it. You know, we already have this. So um, this is a new idea, and it's just in the, you know, in in the fetal gestation stage. But um, I'm thinking what we're going to end up doing is, um, you know, setting that setting up live streaming as almost its own business. And you know, I think we're going to have uh, a separate domain and YouTube account, and you know, we're going to make. Uh, we're going to make a community live streaming venue here, and what I hope to do is um, is create a situation where we can be using the various studios here as you know live streaming studios. So, for instance, um, two different artists could be live streaming, maybe even at the same time, in Studio B and Studio A, um, and. You know, I mean, that might not be tomorrow, but, you know, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, you know, uh, you know, who knows? We'll see. And also, it's an opportunity, I think, um, you know, if we can do that, particularly during hours that, you know, I'm not usually doing the studio, the normal studio work, um, that can provide work. You know, um, I mean, Brian Dale, Alan Strauss has been producing and doing work out of the studio, Um and, you know, I know, like, most of the great live sound engineers, you know, are, are, are out of work right now. So that might be a way to, to throw some work their way, too. And, you know, and I'd like to have a, a charity, um, you know, angle to the whole thing, too. You know, I mean, the same way. Like, I just watched last night for the first time um, the Whiskey Sour Happy Hour, uh, you know, with the Bluegrass Situation uh, website. Uh, if anyone's not familiar with that, uh, that's the uh, actor Ed Helms uh, is sort of fronting it all, and uh, you know, but it's amazing. And basically, it's these incredible uh, artists. Mostly, it's Americana music, uh, but um, I mean, they had Roseanne Cash and John Leventhal. They had, you know, um, Chris Thiel, and you know, um, all these, you know, incredible, incredible artists, and. They somehow did a phenomenal production job where it was just like, you know, cut from artist to artist wherever they were, and they had graphics, and I mean, they really did it, did it up right. So, um, technically, I know that this thing can do all that. I don't know if I can pull it off, but, but I'm thinking that, you know, we might want to try to go that direction too. And, and even, you know, even wouldn't it be interesting to do a show that maybe there were like three different artists? And like one in the B room, one in the A booth, and one in the A main room, and we could do exactly that. You know, I mean, if they're all set up and mic'd and every and the cameras are going, I and mean, we have enough cameras and and everything else, where we could do seamless cuts from artist to artist. I and mean, it's an interesting idea. So this is just forming, but I think this is going to be a really cool thing uh, for everybody. Um, so stay tuned for that. This is um, you know this is all new frontier kind of thing, but. That's the beauty of diversifying, <laughs> you know. I mean, uh, this was, I mean, a while ago. I mean, it's been four or five years or more that I've been doing video here. And, you know, that was always the idea of, you know, do as many different things as you possibly can. And, um, 
you know, this is going to be the big payoff because, you know, <laughs> didn't see it coming, but, you know, you never know when, uh, when a pandemic is going to hit and the entire world has to shut down and, and you know, um, so, so th this could be really interesting. I mean, you know, studio quality sound, DSLR quality cameras, that could be really fun. Um, and I've already been getting people asking me for things like this. So I think yeah, th there's definitely uh, a need there. So stay tuned. That's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Listen, this has gone on a while and I want to wrap up. Uh, but thanks for... Thanks for checking this out. Thanks for checking me out. Um, we're yeah, we're here. We're <laughs> we're here. I'm here. I'm used to it. <laughs> we're getting used to it, <laughs> and uh, we're gonna stay here. And we're gonna weather this. And we're gonna we're gonna make music. And we're gonna we're gonna come through this. Um, so stick you know stick to your health and your routines and your sanity. And and I will do the same. And yeah, and very soon, hopefully, we will be seeing you. Uh, officially, right now, the word is Pennsylvania will reopen to non-essential businesses on June 4th. They have rescheduled that a few times. I would not be shocked if they rescheduled it again, but that's what we're looking at right now. Um, we are, as a business, going to play by the rules, so just, you know, expect that. But, um, you know, I'm going to do an entirely separate Thing. There's actually a video right now on our social media with me discussing our, our strategies for reopening. But I'm going to do a separate episode of the podcast just about that. We're going to be doing this in a phased-in way, um, starting with you know, individual people coming in one at a time. And, um, but I'll, I'll, we'll do more about that later. Okay, thanks so much. Thanks for sticking with us. And be safe. Be creative. Be kind to yourselves and others, you know, take, take breaks, you know, recognize that you're under stress and be good to yourself. Okay, take care. Bye.